Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And as always, thank you to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, helping to make this podcast possible with Subtle Solution Media. I'm excited for today's episode. We are sitting down with Scott Anderson, CEO and founder of Double Dare Executive Coaching and Consulting. And, uh, Joining us out of, uh, was it Omaha, Nebraska, you said? Omaha, Nebraska today, yeah. <laughs> and getting a We're, bit of a blizzard, having um, a blizzard right now. Today, yeah, that's right. Well, I hope yeah. you're, you're nice and warm, Scott. And uh, I, I want to give you an opportunity <laughs> to introduce yourself to our listeners um, so they can kind of get to know you really quick before we hop into some questions. Sure. Today. Yeah, well, thank you. And thanks for having me on the show. I've uh, listened to a couple of your episodes and really like the No Rain, No Rainbows concept. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been starting businesses, uh, going back to our warm up of, uh, starting a shoeshine business when I was probably six or something, um, until the current date I've, uh, started, um, and run, um, a total of nine companies and, uh, have sold, um, most of them, um, and still hold on. There are two non-for-profits that I'm still involved in and two, um, for-profit businesses that I'm still involved in. Started an e-commerce uh, business with my son, actually, um, about 90 days ago. That's that's really exciting. But anyway, I've always been an entrepreneur and I've always worked with entrepreneurs. And so Double Dare is uh, an executive coaching and consulting business that helps uh, entrepreneurs um, because I've been one over and over and over to, um, to hopefully learn um, from my mistakes and from a few successes and to move faster and farther uh, than they might have done on their own. Yeah. And and as a serial entrepreneur, I'm sure you've kind of, you've seen the playing field multiple times uh, really quick for some of our listeners. I know a lot of our listeners, they're ambitious, they have ideas, they might be working on a side hustle, working on a company or business of their own. What would you say is kind of the secret sauce that, that secret sauce that can really kind of make someone take their side hustle or their business change it from a hobby to an actual livable entity or something to be sold? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, obviously it's the, it's the feedback that you get from customers, uh, from clients um, and that tell you you've got something, you know, there's nothing, there's no more sincere form of, of uh, praise than uh, people giving you their money. Um, So, but the, the key uh, that, that I found and the thing I really preach to people who are thinking about it is, um, to find find a great problem to solve to solve um, the you know one of the mistakes that I've made and I've seen entrepreneurs make is that they have these sort of passion projects where um, it's sort of myopic it comes from their point of view what they want to do and it starts from uh, you know I want to have a business that does X Y Z um, instead of thinking it from thinking of it from the customer standpoint and what's the problem that you're solving. Uh, what's the pain that you're alleviating? What's the opportunity that you're going to allow people to take advantage of? Um, because uh, o- otherwise, uh, a lot of a lot of businesses are kind of doomed to failure from the beginning. When it's from the standpoint of you know certainly from the passion um, and the the uh, the interest and inspiration of the founder of the business, but also 
um, really has to be focused on solving a big problem um, if you want to be successful. Yeah. And I know for a lot of folks that it, it, it can be, I mean, it, it can be tough because when someone starts a business, it's almost like their child, right? And nobody wants to hear that their child's ugly. That's <laughs> um, right. That's how, right. How do, you, how do you approach someone that might be emotionally connected or how can we, I guess, resist that urge to be emotionally connected to a business venture that we would have started and maybe step back, leave the trees, look at the forest and really see what we're working with? Right. Well, again, you know, if um, what what I found is that if if it's a constant struggle to um, you know for people to see the value in what you do, or it, it, sometimes it's because it's difficult to explain the value. Uh, often for founders, it's self evident um, for them that you know what they do has value, um, but it may not in the eye of their customer, potential customer. Um, so you know, I really like to. I really advise entrepreneurs, um, whether they're well into their businesses or whether they're just starting, um, to look at it from the standpoint of, you know, what what problem can I solve? And for what specific type of individual can I solve this problem? Um, I love this example. I've used it before, but there was a guy I read about. In fact, I tried to interview him and I've never connected with him. Um, he was a former policeman in, in the Miami area, Dade County area. And uh, he retired from being a policeman. He had a pension and some savings. And somebody told him he should put his money into bounce houses, the kinds that are at children's birthday parties, the inflatable ones. He'd never been in business. And so he just bought bounce houses. He bought like, I think, three or four bounce houses. And he figured that how hard could it be? It just, it would take care of itself. People would throw money to play with his bounce houses. Um, But he discovered, of course, that it was much more difficult than that. And he started calling around, um, trying to ask other bounce house owners, what do I do? I've, they're burning a hole in my pocket, these bounce houses. What do I do? And you know, he didn't really have an end in mind when he started. Uh, someone just told him, this is a good way to make money. Um, anyway, what ended up happening was, because no one could really answer his questions very well, he started solving his own problems. And today, he's the, uh, I like to call him the bounce house whisperer. Um, he's, he's in the Miami area, but he's got an international following. And what he does is to teach courses to other bounce house owners who don't know what to do with their bounce houses, who aren't making any money. And he walks them through this, this course and this membership to, uh, to basically solve that, that really big problem. Um, so that's about as narrow a niche as I can imagine, right? Solving the problem for bounce house owners. Um, and, and he stumbled into it. He didn't see it at first. Yeah. But that's a great example, I think, of how if we can solve a problem, a very hard, painful problem uh, for a specific niche of people, you can you can do very, very well. Yeah. And I think some of the best ideas of inspiration come from some of our own problems. And it's kind of doing the research and the market research to make sure that we're not the only ones having this problem, that it's a big enough problem for enough exactly. people that we exactly. can actually solve it. And I, w- I want to actually use that perfect transition into... Um, a lot of topics that we that we're going to be talking about today, mainly focusing on on burnout and whether someone's right. getting their business off the ground or, as I mentioned, I know a lot of our listeners have a side hustle, right? Which means right. they have a main gig, a job where their earned income pays the bills, but they're trying to get something off off the ground, yeah. and and that could be kind of strenuous. So, so I kind of want to get a better understanding on what exactly is burnout and and what causes that in folks. Sure, sure. 
Um, so burnout is a um, is a technical term, actually. I mean, it's something that we use in common conversation, but it's a technical term um, that was developed originally by a psychologist in the 70s um, to describe a specific set of symptoms that happen to people um, in the workplace, and now it's been generalized to all aspects of life. Sometimes the term is overused, but the technical definition of it is um, has been defined by the World Health Organization as a bona fide disorder. Um, and there are basically three sets of symptoms. The first is a pervasive um, exhaustion, both physically and psychologically, emotionally, that doesn't go away. Um, so you go to bed and you sleep for eight hours or whatever, and you wake up the next day and you're still exhausted. Um, so there's this, this um, and you know, I should add, uh, a staggering percentage of the American people are feeling this right now, and probably people worldwide with with yeah. COVID. Um, so the the Gallup people happen to be located in Omaha, Nebraska. The Gallup survey people um, did a have done a survey on burnout for the last several years, going back at least I think fifteen years, maybe longer. And the rate of people who report that they are always burned out has hovered in the low twenties for many years, wow. starting at about 2008. So it's, that's pretty high, right? I mean, that's yes. not something to be cheerful about, I guess, but, but that's where it's been for a long time. And uh, so at any point in time, 20 something percent of American workforce report that they are always burned out. Um, but uh, recently, and I think it was September, um, Gallup updated the results, and uh, the number was 62% report that they are always burned out. And, um, you know, we're in extraordinary uh, times, of course, as everybody says, un unprecedented times. But um, as a result, the, the rate of burnout is three times higher than it's been since the measurement has been kept. Um, and it's of great concern. Um, there should be a great concern to, to all of us, both personally and also for our teams. Yeah. Um, you know, if we have employees, anyway, the first symptom is exhaustion. The second one is a disconnection from other people, a psychological disconnection, uh, to feel less and less and less connected or a part of a community. And uh, clearly COVID and the isolation of it, um, the quarantine literally of it has, has added to that. And so people are feeling you know, literally less connected with their coworkers, less connected with their customers. Uh, from their business partners, et cetera. Um, and then the final most serious stage of burnout is um, going from a sort of a passive disconnection to an active negativism and cynicism about other people, actually blaming other people um, for the feelings that you're feeling and for the situation that you're in. Um, and people, this is where people say, take this job, at least mentally, take this job and shove it. They may not quit the job, um, but their feeling is gone beyond disconnected into feeling um, actively negative uh, towards, again, towards uh, coworkers, customers, business partners, investors, et cetera. Um, and at its very worst extreme, um, burnout of, uh, of this type results not only in depression and anxiety, um, substance uh, abuse. Um, a lot of cases now of spousal abuse and child abuse in the household, um, but also of suicidality and actually suicide attempts. Wow. So it's a, it's a very serious um, issue. And from a business standpoint, um, you know, in addition to the human cost, which is, of course, where we should all be focused, 
But there's also a very, as you would imagine, a very serious business cost. Um, the the pro to productivity, innovation, creativity, uh, relationship building. When engagement, another uh, factor that Gallup measures, when engagement by uh, by workers and what they're doing goes lower and lower with burnout, the quality of that work gets less and less, and um, and everything begins to suffer. Yeah. So serious issue. What's was staggering to me is when you said, you know, burnout, bona fide syndrome, just like depression, anxiety. Right. And, you know, and when you first said 20%, I'm thinking, okay, one in five people experiencing burnout now to 60%. Of course, the current climate uh, of where we find ourselves could contribute to those numbers. Yeah. But just hearing that, the staggering impact of that and the things that happen in someone's life um, with exhaustion and burnout and, and the disconnection and whatnot, uh, could there could be a lot of situations where folks might think they're depressed, they might think they have anxiety, where it might actually be uh, the burnout that's kind of leading into that. How can someone, I guess, prevent burnout or yeah. if, if they're kind of wanting to, if they're already here, if they're already part of that 60%, how can yeah. we recover and turn this train around? Exactly. Um, and, you know, we've been uh, double there. My company, we spent a lot of time working on that. We've created a program called Extinguishing Burnout. And um, it basically addresses the three buckets of symptoms um, uh, and, and based on lots and lots of research um, to suggest ways that, that people can, in fact, recover. Um, there is a uh, psychologist at UCAL Berkeley who is Pretty much regarded worldwide, I believe, as the as the the guru or the authority on on burnout. Uh, her name is Christine Maslach. She's created a uh, an assessment or an inventory called the Maslach Burnout uh, Inventory. And you know, one really good place to start is to um, is to have some sort of assessment or evaluation to pinpoint um, the the issues that are happening. Um, on my website uh, at doubledareyou.us, we have a um, a uh, simplified inventory um, based on Maslach, but much simpler and without the the um, uh, statistical and research based data. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea is to help people pinpoint the symptoms that they're feeling um, to really understand what's going on. Um, that's you know awareness is usually always the, the best starting place. And, and it is with burnout. So the, the first things that we look at, the first symptoms that most people have is the physical and psychological exhaustion. Those are the things that they notice. And they get really worried because, you know, they wake up the next morning and they're still, they wake up dead tired. And um, that's, a, that's a very, well, it's an unsustainable thing, right? Um, Dr. Maslach refers to it as, um, as sprint, as marathon. Right. Yeah. Um, especially right now with so many companies um, cutting their teams and asking people to do two or three people's jobs. We're in this scenario of sprint as marathon, which is not which is not sustainable. Yeah. Um, par paradoxically, most of my clients and a lot of businesses um, nationally are reporting 2020 as being their best years ever. Now, clearly, it's been devastating to a lot of businesses, which is a tragedy. Um, but for a lot of other companies, actually, this. This cutting of costs and increasing of productivity with everyone has resulted in, in a lot of cases, in record sales and profits. The problem is that it's not sustainable from a human standpoint. Yeah. 
Um, so first and foremost um, is this exhaustion piece. And, you know, if you can think about like an Olympic athlete, for example, who, um, who trains every day and creates micro tears in their muscles um, as they train uh, and they have to recover every day so that those micro tears can ultimately turn into new muscle, um, but not, uh, but if you don't rely or don't uh, include recovery in the process, the muscles will ultimately tear um, and it'll have a negative effect. And, and it's like that with, with us as humans uh, encountering burnout. We have this unrelenting stress as marathon day after day after day after day, minute after minute after minute is not sustainable. And so what we have to do, um, one of the most evidence-based strategies is to practice micro recovery as an intentional daily practice. Um, so for example, you've probably heard of the Pomodoro method um, where you work for 25 minutes and break for five minutes. There's another form where you work for 45 minutes on an hour and break for 15. And so you have these sort of mini sprints, but then you intentionally um, have a break. And in that break, walk away from your laptop or whatever. Um, walk out of your office, even if it's a, you know, in your, in a spare bedroom in your house and, um, and intentionally disconnect, detach from what you've been doing and allow your mind and body to, um, to recover. Um, a lot of my clients will go outside um, and, you know, walk around the block for that five minutes that they have. Um, but, uh, or, you know, obviously meditation and mindfulness is, um, you know, one of the main things that we that we recommend. Um, so to practice mindfulness techniques for five minutes or so, but to really detach yourself for, um, with the Pomodoro method, um, five minutes, every 30 minutes to disconnect. But that mini recovery is really essential. Um, because again, this idea of sprint as marathon, unrelenting, overwhelming stress day after day, hour after hour, um, will result in, in burnout, uh, number one. And, and if we don't interrupt that with breaks and mini recoveries, we can't get, uh, we can't get better. Um, it, it, we simply can't. I, and I could feel like that's a hard, um, I mean, that's a hard technique or a hard, uh, I guess, strategy to sell to overachievers, high achievers, yes, folks who are very, very um, much ambitious and chasing goals because, you know, you almost have to translate to them. You increase productivity by doing less when yes. for, for them, it might not compute. Uh, have you found that to be a difficult sell in your, in your business? And when you're working with entrepreneurs saying, Hey, this is how you increase your productivity, do less. Exactly. Oh, I know it. I, it is a hard sell. Um, you know, typically people have to have experienced the burnout themselves or in their teammates um, and or have noticed, you know, um, key predictive uh, indicators that are decreasing, um, you know, a client uh, or customer satisfaction um, scores, for example, decreasing, customer service scores decreasing, sales decreasing. Um, you know, ultimately, there are usually measurable, quantifiable um, uh, measurements of, of, you know, evidence that this isn't working out, which tends to get people's attention. Um, unfortunately, it seems that the, the best persuader is the, the day-to-day -day exhaustion or the depression um, or the anxiety that, you know, ultimately get people's uh, attention. 
I try to really uh, evangelize about this a little bit to, to bring people's attention to it because um, just to increase awareness um, because it, this, again, this is not a sustainable strategy, but my experience, yes, you're, you're quite right. And I have the same trouble sometimes, yeah. you know, when I'm on a roll, I don't want to stop. I was going to ask if you've experienced maybe in, in your own life. I mean, I could, I can almost hear there's a connection to, to this, whether it be through seeing it in your clients or maybe experiencing it in, in yourself. Have you seen that, that burnout yourself? And if you don't yeah. mind me asking, of course, and, no, and have no. you seen these, these uh, strategies of the Pomodoro technique and stepping away? How is that in terms of changing the trajectory of your businesses? Well, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sort of late to this discovery. I've got a, a master's in clinical counseling. I am a licensed therapist. And I certainly, you know, began to discover it in, in that study. Um, but, you know, I went through a phase in my life when, um, when I owned a advertising agency with partners and um, reached a point of burnout myself that, um, you know, looking back with, with 2020 vision, what I should have done was um, uh, I should have left to do something else, which I ultimately did, but I should have done it probably five years sooner than I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had great partners, a great company, great clients, uh, all of that was fine, but I was personally uh, burned out. And um, part of it was as an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're great starters and, uh, uh, but not always great finishers. And so, you know, sadly, the truth about me as an entrepreneur is that I'm uh, more excited starting things, um, particularly starting things with my clients today. Um, and, uh, but after any considerable period, you know, I'll, I'll uh, like most entrepreneurs, begin to look at the next shiny thing. Anyway, um, you know, I should have left the advertising agency that I started five years uh, earlier than I did and caused, um, you know, caused problems for myself and others by not really seeing what what I was doing and what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in retrospect, I would have handled the the situation a lot differently. And today, really try to to practice what I preach. And Pomodoro method is a great technique. Um, you know, uh, getting up away from your desk, practicing mindful mindfulness techniques um, as a way of life, really, uh, as well as a, a way of work. Um, have all really helped me. I wish I knew what I know now. I yeah. wish I'd known it 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, I, I know one of, I guess I'd say the symptoms of possibly starting to feel the burnout is if you're starting your company and you know, maybe when you're working with the advertising agency and you're starting to get some of these, uh, not, I don't want to say restrictions, but some of this traction around you. Yeah. I think a lot of people will feel it as traction. They start to feel a symptom of, and I know myself, I'm guilty of this feeling that imposter syndrome, right? Like maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, yeah. um, maybe I'm not cut out for this. How yeah. does that feed into, to burnout and, and how can someone kind of overcome that imposter syndrome and, and maybe get out of their own head? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing about imposter syndrome and we do a little a lot of work around that area is that so entrepreneurs are always a little bit over their skis. You know, they're always a little bit ahead of their own curve. They're visioning things that don't exist and they are, um, yeah, uh, you know, they're, they're, um, very much creating future. And, um, so, um, and, and a lot of it is discovery on the fly. 
you know, is discovery in real time. And it's one of the most exciting things I think about being an entrepreneur and being in that zone. But by the same token, there's an inherent, uh, and I think healthy doubt about, is this, you know, is this all bullshit or do I know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, you know, is this going to prove out or not? And of course, the reality is, um, you know, not, not everything does prove out and, uh, you know, hopefully we, we uh, can hit our batting average and, and do better than the average person. But we kind of know that in a lot of ways we're we're inventing this stuff in real time. So that you know that there's that element of doubt I think that comes up for all entrepreneurs because they're not exactly sure where this is going to end. They have they feel good about it. Hopefully they've done some research about customer needs and wants and all the rest of it. So that's part of it. The other part of it is is that after a while um, I've got a client I'm working with right now is so much like this very, very skilled financial uh, person, financial advisor person, and has been doing it for a long time. He's got a tremendous business and is making a lot of money. But in the back, for him now, having done this for a while, a long time, this all comes very, very easy to him. And he feels kind of guilty that if it's this easy, you know, we sort of forget, we live in an echo chamber, and we forget that what's easy for me took, you know, 15 or 20 years to learn how to do. Yeah. Um, and that other people could not, could not do this at all, much less do it easily. But there's this sort of uh, voice in the back of our heads that says, you know, I'm putting people, I'm putting something over on people. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm charging a lot of money. I'm making a lot of money. I'm making them a lot of money, but this is easy for me. So, you know, maybe I'm just a complete scammer, you know, or, uh, and so on, but it really comes from mastery versus from, um, being a fake or a fraud or an imposter. That is the first time I've heard that described that way, because if, if we think of something becoming easy to us, uh, a lot of times it's easy to kind of have that negative connotation of, you know, maybe I am pulling something over someone mastery yeah. in, in, a, in its sense. I think that gives the power to that person in terms of if, if you reach a level of mastery, the next step is teach and yeah. you can kind of get a little bit more comfortable with where you are when you're actively teaching kind of going back yeah. to the example with the, the Florida man who had all these inflatable bounce houses, yeah. he solved his own problems enough to the point where he might've gotten to the level of mastery where it's easy yeah. to make money, but now he's moving forward and teaching others how to do so. So I, I love that comparison. And I really hope that empowers some of the listeners to look at their situation a little differently and understand the mastery that they're in, and then maybe give back to their community by teaching others how to do what they do. Um, what's one thing, because I want to make this actionable for some of our listeners right sure. now, that they're listening and they might think to themselves, I might start feeling some of these symptoms of, of burnout. I'm probably yes. at the level of exhaustion. I mean, yeah. hey, it's safe to say about 60% of our listeners might be at that level, right? right? What's one thing they can do today, maybe right after this podcast episode, that can maybe start to take them back down the right path? Well, you know, a couple of things, and, and you can get all of this at my website as a starting place. First of all, there's a burnout assessment um, that I would ask people to take because it really pinpoints the um, the specific issues that you're having, and then it suggests some things that you can do about it. There's there's three things at our website that I think would be a great start. One of them is this assessment. Um, it takes maybe 10 minutes, and you'll get the results back immediately online. 
and it'll kind of pinpoint the things that you're having trouble with. Secondly, we have a a 10-point checklist for burnout, health, and recovery um, that I would that I would like to send everybody, um, which which does a really good job again of talking about concrete things that you can do to feel better. Um, you know, one of these we've talked about this idea of taking breaks and having mini recoveries uh, throughout the day. Um, you know, one of the main principles of mindfulness is to stay in the present moment, um, to put all of your attention and care and concern into the thing that you're doing right here and right now. Um, what what tends to overwhelm people is to spend too much time in the future, mm. um, and and particularly if we have, you know, we foresee this sort of never ending list of things to do, it, that we can overwhelm ourselves by spending too much time in the future. So to spend our t- as much time as we can in the present moment, putting all of our attention and care into the thing that we're doing, um, the basic mindfulness is um, is something that'll really really help. Lose yourself in doing a job you have to do right now and put everything you've got into it. Um, yeah. And you'll almost almost immediately feel some relief. Um, and, and also getting outside, um, you know, and this is why the Pomodoro method is, is so good. Take five minutes every 30 minutes or, you know, 15 minutes every hour and take some kind of a break. If you can get your heart rate up, um, and just a brisk walk around the block, you're going to feel significantly better. Um, this, as you say, it's tough to, um, it's tough to convince, um, achievement oriented people that they can afford to do this, but they really can't afford not to do it. Yeah. I think that's amazing. What you said too, is kind of like losing yourself in the action that you're doing. Um, I really hope our listeners kind of took that to heart. And um, definitely, I'll be sure to have the the link of that burnout assessment in the show notes so they can take that as well. Scott, I do want to make sure that our listeners have other ways to contact you through all your social media pages, your website, and, and things like that. What is the best way folks can contact you? What are the links that I can add to the show notes? Um, well, uh, you know, uh, LinkedIn is, is good. Most of my clients are in business, so search for me in LinkedIn. Um, uh, Facebook also is good. The best probably is my website, which is doubledareyou.us, doubledareyouyou.us. And uh, in fact, if you go to my site, there's a, uh, a section called Extinguishing Burnout. There's a lot of free information there. And uh, so, yeah, by all means, check it out. And uh, um, uh, we, there's actually more I can send you to. So, yeah. but, but start there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be sure to have those links in the show notes. There, there's so much value in this episode. I feel like I could keep asking more and more questions on on strategies and ways for us to overcome, but I do want to be respectful of your time. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for joining us and sharing. Some My pleasure. Thank today. you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to recap some of the uh, some of the key talking points that you mentioned throughout the episode for our listeners, as I like to do at the end of first listening to feedback. Anybody out there working on a side hustle, on a business, if you're really trying to make it successful, maybe sell it, listen to the feedback of the market. Listen to those people around you and maybe step away from the trees. Take a look at the forest. I know you don't want to hear your baby's ugly, but make sure that you're actually solving a problem and a big enough problem at that. Again, if you're feeling exhaustion, if you're feeling disconnection, or maybe some negativity around the job that you're doing, those might be symptoms of burnout. It's something to pay close attention to. As Scott mentioned earlier, what used to be 20% 
of Americans experiencing burnout is now upwards of 60%. And you can imagine the climate that we're in with this pandemic, how many folks might be feeling that you might be one of them and ways to alleviate that practicing mindfulness, taking breaks. I know that's hard for folks to kind of acknowledge, especially if you're focusing on achievement and acquiring some ambitious goals that you've set for yourself, but you need to take a step away. Pomodoro technique is a great technique. I do that myself. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And one thing that you mentioned that I loved when you said, lose yourself in what you're doing, you'll get a little bit of relief. Uh, just stay present. I just read a book uh, not too long ago. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza. He, uh, uh, yes. He has a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. He breaks it down saying anxiety is living in the future that hasn't happened yet. Depression is is kind of thinking about a past that you can't change. Be yeah. present and make sure that you lose yourself in what you're doing and hopefully find some relief. And of course, be sure to follow those those the links in the show notes to get that burnout assessment. Scott, thank you once again for uh, giving us the time today. To My the- pleasure. Thank you. I want to say thank you for making it to the end of the episode. I hope you got value from this. Again, make sure to reach out to Scott if you can, if he can help you with your business. If you got value from this episode, I'd really appreciate if you gave us a rating. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you're following us and watching us on YouTube. Share it with a friend that you think might be able to benefit from this or share this with your team, any business owner out there. Share it with your team to help make sure that they can alleviate any symptoms of burnout to help keep that productivity up. And as always, I want to remind that we have a Patreon page where you can support us for as little as $1 a month and get some extra behind the scenes audio, some of our warm up audio with the guests. Scott has a great warm up there as well. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't have the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.